One of the things I want to ask you this morning is, have you ever found yourself in a situation in your life where you really didn't know what to do or where to go? You were faced with some type of predicament, and you just weren't quite sure how to handle that predicament. It may be a situation as simple as uh, whether to purchase a new car, or it may be a situation such as a student who's trying to decide what university they are trying to go to, or it may be more of a serious matter such as a mother who has to make the decision as to whether or not she's going to give her child up for adoption because she fears that she can't take care of her child. It may be more serious such as a couple who is struggling in their marriage and they're just unsure of how things are going to turn out. And so the conversation of whether to remain together or not comes up. It may be a matter of not having enough income, not having a job, and trying to understand where do you go from there, what what direction you need to go in your life. We're all faced with these types of situations, and I think it's something that we all can relate to. Uh, And typically, when we find ourselves in those situations, Uh, Our gut tends to tell us one thing, but then we feel God telling us another thing at times. And so we we see this this struggle uh, when when our gut is telling us one thing and and God is telling us another thing. Typically, when we find ourselves in those situations, it requires that we make some type of decision, whether to go left, go right, to stay or to go. Uh, It requires us to make some type of decision. And typically, that decision results in us obeying God or disobeying God. For that reason, I want to talk to you this morning from the message of where should I go and what should I do? Where should I go and what should I do? It's a question that I've asked myself many a times. And I want to speak with you on that message, and hopefully through the message, we will understand and know how it is we can obey God's direction, even in the times of indecision or uncertainty. And so when we look at uh, this passage that, we're gonna, that I'm going to direct you to in the Old Testament, uh, prayerfully we will see and understand how we can know which way to go and how we can obey God. If you will turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 41. And it's a a pretty extensive reading, so you can remain seated if you so choose. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 41. We're going to look at a situation that I think can really help us out in understanding when we get ourselves in a situation, when we find ourselves in a predicament and we're not quite sure which way to go. I think we can take some things from this passage and better understand how we can obey God's direction even in times of indecision. It's amazing to me how timeless God's word is, that we can look back at a passage that was uh, and an event that took place around 600 to 590 B.C., and it still relates to today. And that just speaks to how timeless God's word is. Amen. It also speaks to how we really don't change that much as people. We still deal with the same issues that we did before. Look at Jeremiah chapter 41, and we're going to, I'm going to start at verse 16, but before I read the passage, I just want to kind of bring you up to speed to basically uh, give you a background as to the situation here. 
in this particular time and situation, uh, the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, finds themselves in a very tough situation. Uh, it's a situation that's very difficult, uh, one in which the people of Judah, Jerusalem, the city in particular, has recently been captured and is under the control of a great empire named Babylon. Now, if you've been coming to Wednesday night Bible study, you know that we've been going through the book of Daniel and uh, have, have some type of information about this empire, Babylon. And this empire, although they didn't worship God, God was the one who actually raised this, this empire up to, to punish and to unleash his wrath on his people because they would not repent, because they were continuously in sin and would not turn from their sins back to God. And so God raised up this empire, Babylon, of which King Nebuchadnezzar, it rules. And at this time, they've got the people in Jerusalem are under their control. And they, 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 do, one, they do two things, the, 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 the empire of Babylon. They do two things. One, they take many other people, nobles and those who are well off, and they take them and they exile them back to Babylon. So many of the people are taken back to Babylon and are exiled into Babylon while they keep some, those who are poor, those who really don't have anything to lose, they leave them back in Jerusalem to tend to the land. And so it was somewhat of an act of kindness, if you will. But let us not mistake in their kindness because Babylon was a ruthless empire. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the very one who took, King, who took Zedekiah, who was ruling Jerusalem at the time, took him, took his family, and slaughtered his sons right in front of him, and then put his eyes out. So this was an empire that certainly was one of force. And so we see that they have this situation going on, and what was the practice a lot of times in those, those ages, they take someone, they handpick someone from Jerusalem or in that land to govern that land. And so while Babylon still has sovereignty over Jerusalem, they handpick someone, and his name is Gedaliah. And so Gedaliah is the one who's going to govern Jerusalem. Well, the problem is there's someone by the name of Ishmael who doesn't like that situation. Ishmael probably feels like he should be the one in charge. And so Ishmael decides to kill Gedaliah. Well, it may not be such a big deal, but the problem is because Babylon put Gedaliah in charge, it, by them killing him, that was an act of rebellion of Jerusalem to Babylon. And so there was one by the name of Johanan who uh, was a pretty... Um, upright individual, I guess you would say, to some degree, and, and he fought Ishmael and ran Ishmael off and, and took back the captives, those who were in the land of Jerusalem. And so Je Johanan now actually is kind of in the place of a leader, if you will. He's got the people of Jerusalem. They find themselves where Gedaliah is now dead, the governor who was placed in charge in Jerusalem. Ishmael is nowhere to be found. And so Johanan has two situations or two choices that he needs to make. He sees it as, okay, I have a choice of either staying in Jerusalem and trying to explain myself 
to King Nebuchadnezzar and hope that they don't kill us or take us into exile. Now, again, if you know Babylon, they weren't the ones to ask questions first and then act second. This was the same empire that took the three Hebrew boys, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and threw them in the fiery furnace because they didn't worship their idol. This was the same empire that took Daniel and put him in the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying to God. And so Johanan says, he figures I got the option of staying, at which I don't think they're going to quite understand. Even though we didn't kill Gedaliah, they want to make sure that they, they squash any type of rebellion before it even starts. Or he says, I can go to Egypt, where I think I've got protection and security. So that's the situation he finds himself in. Do I stay or do I go? And so we're going to pick up in verse 16 in chapter 41 and we'll see how Johanan responds to this. And it reads, Then Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers who were with him led away all the survivors from Mizpah, whom he had recovered from Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, after he had assassinated Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the soldiers, women, children, and court officials he had brought from Gibeon. And then went on, stopping at Geruth Kimham near Bethlehem on their way to Egypt to escape the Babylonians. They were afraid of them because Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, had killed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had appointed as governor over the land. Then all the army officers, including Johanan, son of Korea, and Jezaniah, son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. I have heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, so he called together Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest. He said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to pre present your petition, says. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I am grieved over the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. We're going to skip down to verse 19. O remnant of Judah, the Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today that you made a fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord your God and said, pray to the Lord our God for us. Tell us everything he says and we will do it. I have told you today, but you still have not obeyed the Lord your God and all he sent me to tell you. So now be sure of this. You will die by the sword 
famine, and plague in the place where you want to go settle. When Jeremiah finished telling the people all these words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent them, sent him to tell them, Ezariah, son of Oshiah, and Johanan, son of Korea, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there. But Barak, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so they may kill us or carry us into exile to Babylon. So Johanan, son of Korea, and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. So we see the situation that Johanan is in. He's got all these people, and he's trying to make a decision as to whether to go to Egypt or whether to stay in Jerusalem. And we see Johanan makes some good decisions, but he makes some very terrible decisions, and one of those which is to actually go to Egypt. And if we look at this passage and we look at this situation, I think we, I want to point out some things that we are to exercise ourselves and to uphold and to do if we're going to obey God in times of indecision. But the key is these points or these things that I'm going to bring before you, it's important that we exercise all of them together and not individually. Like five fingers on a hand, they are actually most effective when, they're, when they work together. And when you do just one or two, it, it doesn't work out quite the same way. Because Johanan actually did one or two good things. He actually did some great things, but the problem was what he didn't do or what he did in defiance of what God told him to do. So how is it that we can obey God in times of indecision? How is it that I follow God when I don't know where to go or what should I do? The first thing that we see that we need to do is we need to make sure that we go to God in prayer, that we pray to God. Prayer is so important for us in our time of indecision. When we don't know which way to go, we should be going before the throne of God and asking God for direction. Prayer is more than important. Prayer is essential. It is essential for those who are serious about obeying God's word and following his direction. And my question to you is, what is your first reaction when you are faced with a decision and you're not quite sure which way to go? Do you go to your friends or do you go to your spouse? Maybe some of the youth, you may go to your parents. Uh, do you confide in someone else? Do you seek comfort, maybe in material things? Or maybe some of you just kind of keep it to yourself and try to work it out amongst yourself. But anytime we find ourselves in a predicament and are not sure which way to go, the Lord tells us that the first thing that we should do is to pray. We should take our problems to him. James 5.13 says that is any of you in trouble, he should pray. Doesn't say anything else. James says you should pray if any of you are in trouble. Cry out to the Lord and let him know that, Lord, I need direction from you. I don't know which way to go, and I need your help. Let the Lord know that you are lost, and be blunt with the Lord. Don't beat around the bush, but just let the Lord know what is on your heart. Lord, I have an inclination. My intuition is telling me to go, to flee, but I need you to tell me which way I need to go.
Be blunt with the Lord. Let the Lord know what is on your heart because the Lord already knows anyway what is on your heart. And some may say, well, why do I need to take my concerns to the Lord if he, if he already knows my heart? Well, us going to the Lord is not for the Lord. It's for us. It's for us. Us going to the Lord in our time of need acknowledges our dependence on the Lord. God will place us in particular or specific situations that will challenge our faith. Get us out of our comfort zone. Put us in situations that we can't control. Because if we can't control it, then we won't go to God. So God will put us in situations. Sometimes the truth be told, we will put our own selves in situations. But God will place us in situations at which we have to come to him because we don't know what to do. And we can't control the situation ourselves. So when we go to God in prayer and ask him, where should I go and what should I do? It acknowledges our dependence on God. And so we see Johanan doing that very thing. He goes to God in verse, uh, well, verses 3 through 6. He kind of goes to, to Jeremiah and he asks Jeremiah to intercede for him before God. And so Johanan's got this predicament. He's got this situation and he needs somebody to intercede for him. And he says, Jeremiah is my man. Jeremiah is actually a part of the camp. He's with them in this whole situation. He's one of those whom Johanan has helped kind of capture back from Ishmael. And so Jeremiah is in with them. And so Johanan says, I'm going to ask Jer Jer Jeremiah to actually intercede for us. And there's nothing wrong with having someone intercede for you when you need prayer. God actually encourages us to pray for one another, to intercede for one another in prayer. But praise God that I don't have to go through anyone else to go to God in prayer. Praise God that I don't have to look to anyone else to pray for me when I can go before the throne of God myself. I don't have to go before anybody, from the least to the greatest. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, whether you've been a Christian for one year or ten years, it's equal access. With God, there is no seniority. There's only faithfulness. And so God allows us to come before his throne and to bring our concerns to him. He says, call on me in the day of trouble, for I will deliver you. And do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Now, we don't have to go through a prophet such as Jeremiah to take our concerns to God. We don't have to go through a priest. But we do have to go through the high priest, Jesus Christ. You have to go through Jesus Christ if your prayers are going to be heard before God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me, we are now covered in his righteousness and we can now boldly go before the throne of God because God does not see my sin, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ and I can lay my burdens before him with confidence that God hears me. So let us not go before God in prayer and say, I I'm just not worthy enough to go before God in prayer. You never were worthy and you never will be worthy to go before God in prayer. That's the whole point of Jesus Christ paying the price for you and for me. And so we have direct access to the Father because Jesus Christ intercedes for us. And we can do this because he is holy, because he is blameless, because he is pure, 
because he is set apart from sinners, because he is exalted above the heavens, we can now take our concerns to him. So why don't we take advantage of this great privilege that God has given us to go before the throne of God? It amazes me that I can go before the throne of the creator of himself, the one who created the heavens and the, and the earth, the one who can name each star, billions and billions of stars, that I can go to him anytime, any place I want. And so let us take advantage of that great privilege in which God has given us when we are in trouble. But let me also add that let us not just go to God when we are in trouble. Our prayer starts with us continuously going to God even when we're not in trouble. And then when we are in trouble, it, it will be that much easier for us to go before God and to lay our concerns before him. So we see in order for us to obey God in our times of indecision, just as Johanan was in a, in a predicament, it's important first that we go to God in prayer. And in addition to praying, one of the things that we see that prayer is not the only thing that we need to do in order to obey God in our times of indecision. We need a sincere heart. A sincere heart is critical for us when we go to, the, to, to God in prayer. If we're, if we're going to obey God in those times of decision, we need to have a sincere heart. There is nothing that will open up the floodgates of heaven more than a person who has a sincere heart. Because God does not look at what we say or listen specifically just to what we say, but he looks at our heart to see if we are sincere in what it is we need. I'm convinced that many of our prayers go unanswered because they are insincere. Isaiah 29, 13 says, These people come near to me with their mouths they, and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we can go to God with our mouths and with our lips. We can praise him day after day. But if our heart is not sincere, God is saying, I'm not receiving it because the heart is far from me. Johanan, when we look at this passage, he did well in going to God and going to Jeremiah and asking for prayer, but he wasn't sincere when he did it. He wasn't sincere. We see a sense of insincerity with Johanan when he went to God in prayer. And some may say, well, why was, why was he, why was he, why does it appear that he's insincere? If we look at the verse, he, 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 he speaks words of sincerity, right? I mean, if we look at verse three, pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. So he, it's like that sense of him asking the Lord. He's dependent on the Lord, right? And then down in verse 5, he says, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Verse 6, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord. We will obey the Lord our God. He mentions obeying God about three times. And so there's a sense of sincerity but it just, again, goes to show us and to tell us that just because we use sincere words in our prayers does not mean that our hearts are sincere. And so we can use specific wording and say that we're going to obey God or say that we're going to follow what God tells us to do, but our words are insincere. And why was jo Johanan's words insincere? Because he had no intention on obeying God in the first place. 
It's a key point. Very important. Do not miss this point. We cannot go to God in prayer with an insincere heart and then expect God to move in our life. Johanan went to God in prayer, but he had no intentions on obeying God in the first place. He said the right things, but his heart wasn't in the right place. If we look at verse 17, we'll see it. In chapter 41, verse 17, when he has all the people with him, he says, And then and they went on, stopping at Geruth Kimham, near Bethlehem, on their way to Egypt. You see that? See, they were, always, they were already on their way to Egypt when they decided to stop and to pray. So they had, Johanan had his mind made up what he was going to do before he even went to God in prayer. An example would be just if I was going to move to Atlanta and I said, okay, let me see, I need to, I got to pack up everything, I got to get the U-Haul truck, I got to redirect my address and all this stuff, and I get everything packed, get the family on and everything, and then I get, get on the road and I say, you know what, I'm going to stop by Forest Baptist Church and I'm going to pray and see if God wants me to really go to Atlanta. That's a little bit late, right? My motive and my heart's already made up. I've got the truck packed. I'm not unpacking it now. And so that's how, unfortunately, that's how we do a lot of times when we go to the Lord in prayer. We, we act sincere, but we have in the back of our mind what it is we want to do. And we go to the Lord in prayer with no intention on obeying what God is going to tell us to do. Only if it supports what we want to do. And so, if we're going to obey God in times of indecision when we don't know which way to go, we have to go to him in prayer, but we also have to go to him in prayer with a sincere heart. Johanan's mind was already made up, but a made-up mind is, is only good if it's made up to obey God. A made-up mind is only good if it's made up to obey God. And Johanan's mind was made up to do his own thing. And a lot of times that's, that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves just wanting to do our own thing. And we feel like the Lord is kind of raining on our parade if he tells us something different. After all, I go to worship service every Sunday, right? I go to Bible study on Wednesday. I go to Sunday school. The Lord will understand. Johanna did some good things. I mean, he, 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 he ran off Ishmael, got the people back, and, but he found himself doing that which God told him not to do. That is the making of someone with an insincere heart. They will pray with sincerity or appears to pray with sincerity. They will worship, which appears to be sincere. Their praise appears to be sincere. But they're not sincere because they're not obeying God. So we must go to him with a sincere heart. And my question is, do you go to God in prayer only seeking what it is you want or for God to support what it is you want to do? Or do you actually and honestly go to God in prayer and expect and look for God to give you direction? And you're okay with whatever he tells you to do. Johanna said, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, I will do it, Lord. 
But that wasn't the truth. Because he had already set out to go to Egypt. We have to make sure that when we go to God for direction, we truly are open to his will. So why is it do we pray if we're not sincere? And I think a couple of reasons. One, I think we do it because of religion. We do it because of religion, I think, a lot of times. I think where, where, where there is no relationship with the Lord, religion will take its place. And so we do it out of common practice because that's the thing to do. How often have you gone to somebody and asked them, can you pray for me? But you have no intentions on obeying what the Lord is telling you to do. Because it's kind of the practice. It's, it's, it's a, the religion. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. And so I think one of the reasons we find ourselves doing it is because, again, out of religion. And I think sometimes we do it because of our conscience. It makes us feel better that we went to the Lord in prayer. It's more for us than it is for any, anything else. It makes us feel better. We, and, and, you know, after all, we can say to the Lord, Lord, I pray, I, I asked you, but I didn't get anything back, so I just did my thing. Well, the reason why we didn't hear the Lord, because we didn't have a sincere heart to begin with. God knew our heart, knew we weren't going to do what he told us to do, so what's the point? So we see we have to go to God with a sincere heart. Johanan felt that it would be a good thing to pray about it as well, but the prayer wasn't sincere. We go, to get, we go to God with a sincere heart when we go with the intention of obeying God. That's, the, that's, what, that's what makes up a sincere heart, one who goes with the intention and mindset of obeying what God tells us to do, whether it is favorable or whether it is unfavorable. So we see that we must pray to God, but not only pray, but we must pray with a sincere heart and third, one of the things that we see is that if we're going to obey God and to understand where we should go and what we should do in times of indecision, that we must go to God's word. Have to go to God's word. Prayer and God's word go together. They are, you can't separate the two. And so we must go to his word in prayer. God's primary way of speaking to us is through his word. Somebody say, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Yes, God gives us guidance and, and speaks to us through his spirit. But the primary way he speaks to us is through his word. And the Holy Spirit and the word, and it will, they will not contradict each other. He speaks to us through other people. But his primary way of speaking to us is in his word. So if we're needing direction... And we're trying to understand which way to go. I can't just pray and not read his word. That would be like me asking you a question and then putting my fingers in my ears when you start to respond. I don't want to hear what you got to say. I just want to let you know what I got to say. I'm going to ask you the question. That's, that's sometimes how, how, we, how we respond. When we don't go to God's word in prayer. God's word is there to guide us and to direct us in which way we should go and how we are to respond in difficult situations. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It guides us in our dark moments, in our times in this dark world. God's word is the one that directs us and is what guides us. You know, I love, uh, 
many of you know I love electronics. I like technology and stuff. And one of the things I'm just fascinated with a lot of times is GPS. I love GPS, right? I mean, you take a GPS and it just amazes me how you can just put it up and right turn and left turn and one mile exit and recalculating and all these things that knows where you're going and everything. I love the GPS. And we pull out the GPS because, quite honestly, a lot of times we don't know where we're going. And a lot of times we're following that GPS just on faith. That it knows where it's going, and if, and if when I get there, that, that ain't the place, then I'm just totally lost. There are times when I, I don't trust the GPS, I got to print out the directions as well, just in case, as a backup. But God's word, we don't have to do that. There is no backup. You go to God's word, God's word should be our GPS. God's positioning system. It is our GPS. It is what guides us. So when we are lost, we need to be pulling out God's word. Even when we're not lost, we should be, putting, we should be carrying that with us and keeping God's word with us so that we'll know which way to go. But too often we're like, oh, I got this. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. And then we end up lost. Jeremiah kind of was a God's word for Johannine. If you can look at Jeremiah, he was kind of the Bible for them at that time. They prayed, and then they had Jeremiah with them, and then they, 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 they looked in God's word. They, they looked for a word back from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, we'll see in verse 7, he comes back and he says, Ten, day late, ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So ten days later. And so a lot of times when we go to God's word, in pr- when we go to God in prayer, and then when we go to his word looking for direction, we've got to have patience and wait upon the Lord. I know there are times when I really was not intent on following the Lord, and I'll get as close to having to make a decision as I needed to, and then I'll say, Lord, you got to move like right now. And the Lord, let us not test the Lord. The Lord does not work on our time frame. He comes right on time, but he doesn't work on our time scale. And so if I'm deciding, I put myself in that situation because I've been there before, but if I, if I decide that I'm going to get a new car, for example, and I'm on the car lot at that point, I shouldn't be praying to God whether he wants me to get a new car. It's too late. I must have some patience. I must be, uh, so, you know, be, be praying to God and be going into his word and looking for God's direction in his word. And so that's what we need to do. One of the things that we see that God's word does for us, if we go to his word in prayer, when we are in times of indecision and we don't know which way to go, he will reassure us and comfort us of his presence while we are in the midst of our trouble. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to go to his word. If we look at those verses, verse 9 through 12 of chapter 42, not only does... God tell Johanan and comfort him and let him know what direction he should go, but he, he comforts him. He says, I'm here to, to plant you, not uproot you. I'm here to build you up, not tear you down. My favor is with you because I have compassion on you. Guess what? Nebuchadnezzar is going to have compassion on you because I'm sovereign and I control the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. So I am on your side. The Lord says, I will deliver you and I will save you. 
So it's important for us to go to his word whenever we are unsure which way to go because his word will comfort us, it will keep us and reassure us of his presence and of his faithfulness. Because sometimes we forget. But if we look at God's word throughout all of the 66 books he's given us, then he, it is basically uh, there to comfort us and to reassure us. But also in addition to reassuring us, we see that God's word is also there to help us to, to keep us from sinning. To help us to know what way is the wrong way to go. And that's what God did here. We didn't read it, but verses 13 through 18, God laid out for Johanna and he said, if you, if, you, if you choose to go and you don't stay in Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. What you fear is going to happen to you in Egypt. Because you disobeyed me, when you go to Egypt, you think you're safe and secure, but you're not. And God's trying to get us to a place where he is our security, that we trust in him and not other things. And so we see, again, how important the word is and for us to obey God's word in our times of indecision. And so the option is there for us. If you will stay, God says, this is what I'll do. If you, if you go then this is what will happen. And this kind of goes back to insincerity to some degree when we're looking in God's word because when our hearts are not sincere, we will look at God's word and when our hearts are, are insincere, we will call the truth a lie and a lie the truth. When our hearts are not sincere. Because that's what Johanan did, right? When Jeremiah came back to him and said, this is what the Lord said, what did Johanan say? You are lying. That is not what he said. There's no way God has told us to stay here in Jerusalem when King Nebuchadnezzar and that ruthless army is on his people. There's only a few of us left. Surely God does not want us to stay here. So we're going to actually flee. I know you're lying. It's a scheme. Somebody's put you up to it. And so when, when we have our motives are twisted when they're wrong and we're not sincere, we will call the truth a lie and a lie the truth. We get all mixed up. But God's word is there to kind of help us and to remind us what is the truth. And so we have to continue to go to his word with sincerity. When we look in his word, it's important that we look for direction and not just affirmation. Affirmation is not a bad thing, per se, but sometimes we can just be looking to go to God's word to support what it is we want to do. There are some things that are not sinful in and of themselves. For example, going to Egypt was not a sin. That wasn't necessarily the sin, them traveling to Egypt. It was a sin for them because God told them not to go. But the sinful act, it wasn't them going to Egypt that was a sin. That'd be like saying that me going to Atlanta is a sin. Anytime we disobey God and he tells us what we need to do and we don't do it, that is when we sin against God. And so we can't just, we, we have to not just look at God's word and just see it as just, okay, I'm going to God's word, I'm a, I want to do this. Is this a sin or is this not a sin? There are some things that God has maybe placed on your heart to do or not to do that he didn't place on my heart. And so we have to make sure that we have that relationship with the Lord and that we go not just to look for God's word to support what it is we want to do, Kind of like we do if we want to 
drink alcohol. We look in his word and say, okay, what does it say anything about they're not drinking alcohol? What does it say? It doesn't say it, right? They drank alcohol in the Old Testament, right? I'm off the hook. I'm good. So what we do is we pick up certain things and we just look for certain things to support what it is we want to do. And there's really no relationship with the Lord. This is what I want to do. I'm going to go to God's word, see if it says yes or no. That's not the way God's word was meant to be used. And so we look at this, go to God's word for direction and not just affirmation to support what it is we want to do. Fourth, in addition to going to his word, looking for direction, because that's the primary way in which God speaks to us. And if we're seeking direction, we can't just pray about it and not go to his word. Fourth thing we need to do is we need to fear God more than our circumstances. Another very important point. It was fear that drove Johanan to go to Egypt. It wasn't the fear of God. It was the fear of Nebuchadnezzar. And many times when we are in situations, and if you are honest with yourself, when you go in a way that is contrary to what God is calling you to go, a lot of times it's because you are fearing something other than God. You may be fearing what somebody's going to say, you're fearful that you're going to lose your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're fearful of what's going to happen in some situation. I don't know, but a lot of times we're fearing something. And so we, we have to make sure that we have a fear of God and not our circumstances. We are either going to fear the Lord or we're going to fear our circumstances. We're either going to have fear or we're going to have faith. Fear or faith. That's another reason why it's so important for us to stay in God's words so that we will be reminded of God's faithfulness and that we will understand and look at God and see how awesome he is. To see how powerful God is. That no situation is bigger than God. That God is sovereign over our situations and our circumstances. And God can lead us through. If he brought us into the situation, surely he can lead us out of the situation. If God created the heavens and the earth, surely he can take my situation and, and it's nothing for him. If God can create everything just by speaking it, I mean, what is my problem? What is my problem? I mean, Lord, just speak it and it'll be done. I like situation where someone came to Jesus Christ, uh, one in the Roman soldiers, and he, he wanted Jesus to come back and heal someone who worked for him. And when Jesus was on the way, he, 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 sent, Jesus Christ, he sent somebody to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, don't even come, just say the word. And I, know you, and I got faith, I know you can do it. You ain't even got to be here, and I know you can do it. That's faith. And so that's, that's a constant reminder to us when we fear our situations. Now, it, I can understand, it was, it, it's, it's understandable that they were fearful, that Johanan was fear, fearful of, the, of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, some, some of y'all talk about, well, I'll just stay and I'll just tell them, you know, how, what happened, how it went down. You don't quite understand the Babylonian Empire. There was no such thing as, are you guilty or innocent? No. And so, 
I can understand their fear, but they, they feared their circumstance, and that is what drove them to, to the wrong direction. But we have to understand that God has the power to save and deliver us in our circumstances. And the one thing we have to understand, just as light and darkness cannot coexist in the same space, neither can fear or fa- or, and faith unless they're both rooted in God. Light and darkness cannot coexist in the same space unless they are both rooted in God. And so we have to examine ourselves when we're in our situations and we're trying to figure out which way to go. We have to ask ourselves, okay, what is it that am I fearing something? And is that what's driving me to make this decision? Am I fearing what's going to happen more than I have a fear or a reverence or an awe of God? So stop being afraid of what people will say or what people will do rather than what God has already said and what God has already done. We need to stop being afraid of situations because that is what's going to drive us to make decisions. And that's what drove Johanan to make the wrong decision. Out of everything that happened, if we look at it, you see in verse 18, they were on their way to Egypt to escape the Babylonians. They were afraid of them because of what somebody else had already done. See, they weren't even afraid of what they had done. They were afraid of what Ishmael had already done and that the the Babylonians weren't going to understand. And God knows that we're fearful of these things. He knows. God spoke back to Jeremiah in verse 11. He says, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. So God knows your heart. Be honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm fearful of this situation. I, I, I know that you didn't give me a, a, a spirit of, of fear or timidity, but I, I, I fear this situation. Help me, Lord. Help me not to fear this. Help me to, to, to fear you more than my circumstance and to trust in you. If we don't fear God above everything else, we will not be obedient to what he tells us to do because the Lord will put us in situations, unfavorable situations, let me reword that. They're un- they appear to be unfavorable, but it's working out in our favor. Right? They're unfavorable situations, but that is to trust us, to, uh, to test our faith, to mature our faith in him. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. So whether we even lose our life, I think that's what Daniel understood when he was told not to pray and he was going to be put in the lion's den. Daniel said, okay, you can kill me, but I should, I should not fear you who can kill my body, but you can't kill my, my soul. But I will fear God who can destroy both in heaven and in hell. So we need to pray to God. We need to do it with a sincere heart. If we're going to pray to God for direction and we're going to do it with a sincere heart, we have to go to God's word as well, actually looking for direction. Fourth, we have to fear God more than our circumstance. Fifth thing, and the last, but certainly not the least thing that we see is the last thing we're going to, we need to do if we're going to obey God in our times of indecision is we must 
come with humility, with a humble heart. One of the things that we see from Johanan in verse 2 of chapter 43, when Jeremiah told them what the Lord said, and they said, you're lying. Azariah, son of Hoshiah and Johanan, son of Korea. And notice it says, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are lying. And so there's a sense of arrogance there. We know what's best for our life. And so when we come to the Lord seeking direction and we don't know which way to go, we have to come with a humble heart and truly acknowledge, Lord, I don't, I'm, I'm not all-knowing like you are. I'm not omnipresent like you are. I'm not all-powerful like you are. And so that's why I come to you because I know that you, Lord, can help me in my time of need. And so we must come with a sense of humility. And so we see that fear was not the only thing that drove them to Egypt. It was their arrogance that drove them to Egypt as well. And so pride stands in the way of us obeying God when we decide to continue to do what God has called us to do. When we don't know where we should go and what we should do, we must be willing to come before him with humility and to truly understand and to hear what God has to tell us to do. God let us know that his thoughts are not our thoughts, right? And our ways are not like his ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So we can't come to God and say, oh, well, that just don't make sense. God's like, it ain't supposed to make sense. I'm on a higher plane than you are. You're not going to understand some things that I do. And so sometimes we just, if you're like me, I, I kind of got a logical brain sometimes from working with computers. It's either on or off, and you know, it gets you in trouble sometimes with the Lord. Because it's like, it don't, it don't measure up, Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, you're right, it doesn't measure up to you. But I got the big picture, I see the landscape, and I know how this thing's going to work out. God is the one who's got the blueprint of your life, and he knows what's going to happen. It's kind of like a construction site, right? When you go to a construction site, it looks like it's a mess, trucks going all over the place. It doesn't look like it's going to amount to anything. But there's one who's got a blueprint of how everything's supposed to work out. And he's like, it's going to work out, and when, it's, when it gets done, oh, how beautiful it's going to be. And so God is saying, just trust me. Be humble when you come to me, and I will lead you. So trust that God knows what's best and receive it with humility. Pray to God when you're needing direction, when you're seeking direction. And do it with a sincere heart. Fear God more than you fear your circumstance. Go to God's word in prayer. Go to God's word and look for direction. And come with a humble heart. If you're lost and you're not sure which way to go, Look to Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ will not steer you wrong. If Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, there's nothing more or nothing less that he won't do for you. I mean, Jesus Christ has already paid the price. He endured God's wrath so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so there's nothing that he won't do for you if it's for your good. So we have to trust him that God knows what's best for me and what glorifies God the most. And so while I can't see what's going to happen down the road, 
I have to trust and look to Jesus Christ, who is the author and the perfecter of my faith. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. And so trust and follow me is what Jesus Christ is saying. He says, I came to plant you, not uproot you. I came to build you up, not tear you down. I came to save and deliver you in your time of need so that you will lift up praise to God who delivered you in your time of need. I know there's somebody who may be lost today. You may be wondering which way to go, but I come to give a message to you and let you know to trust in God. Don't give up on him. Don't look at your fear. Don't look at the fear of your circumstance more than you do the fear of God. Go to his word. Stay in his word. Look for God to respond back to you. Come with a sincere heart. And go to God in prayer. Stay in prayer. How often do I need to pray? I don't know how often you need to pray. God just says pray continuously. Until God tells you to stop praying, you should, start, you should keep praying. And so keep going before his throne of grace and mercy. Go before his mercy seat and take your burdens to him. Because he cares. Jesus Christ said, give me your burdens. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Give them over to him. Seek direction. I know people are seeking direction in so many different things, and a lot of times you find trying to figure out which way to go. And sometimes some of us may be in a situation where we're like, well, that sounds good. I understand what you're saying, but what I'm dealing with, that's a spiritual matter that you're talking about, and, you know, this, the word don't kind of speak to this. Everything that we go through is a spiritual matter. Whether you're at work, it's a spiritual matter. Whatever you are doing, it's a spiritual matter because God is working to help develop you and to look more like Christ. So God isn't wasting any sanctification. He's developing you all the time. And so let us come before him. Let us acknowledge his mercy and his grace. Let us depend on him and know that God will deliver us, whether the situation is favorable for us or whether it is unfavorable. We know that God has already paid the price for us. Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. And so there's nothing that he won't do for those who are called in his name. Those who rest in him, God will deliver us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that you are a God who never abandons those who are yours that your mercies are new each and every day. We thank you, Father God, of the assurance and the peace that you give us in our times of uncertainty, Father God. Lord, you never told us that we would not have troubles in this life, but you did tell us to not fear those troubles because you have overcome the world. And so, Lord, I pray for someone here this day, Lord, someone who may be in a specific predicament or situation and they're just quite unsure of which way to go. They know what you're telling them to do, but their gut is telling them something different. And so, Lord, I pray that they may obey you, Father God, more than their intuition. Help us, Father God, to fear you and to reverence you, Father God, more than our circumstance. Help us to come to your word, expecting for you to guide us and direct us in all our ways. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.